Discover community, find hope, and experience God. This is Discovering Hope with Pastor Paul Knight. So a couple years ago, I got a phone call from one of my pastor friends, and he, he, he mentioned this to me. His wife had woken up in the morning, and she noticed a car parked out in front of their house, and she turned to her husband and said, that car was there last night when I went to bed. And he looked out the window and he decided to go out and find out who it was. And he walked out to the car and as he was walking out there, the driver uh, wound on the window and said, hello, pastor, so-and-so. And the pastor looked at him and said, what are you doing outside my house? He said, I'm your security. He looked at him and said, I have security? He said, yeah, yeah. And so the pastor went in the house and he called the operations director of their church. And he said, there's a guy outside my house that says he's my security. And the operations director said, yes, whenever your death threats increase to an orange level, we hire security to watch you all week. He, he said, I have death threats? And all of a sudden his whole countenance changed. Like, like he started wondering about his kids and his wife, and his house, and he was thankful for security, but he he thought, I actually have enemies that are calling my church to declare death threats. When I was in 7th or 8th grade, I don't remember his name. Here's what I remember. Long, dark hair, muscles where I hadn't seen him before. He was a a classmate. He he was newer in our school, and he lasted just a little while. But but I'll I'll call him Michael just for fun. He had hair, like like as a 7th grader, which... Yeah, so he would walk in the locker room, and he would take his forearm and... Press us physically as he walked through the locker room up against the lockers. He, he would hit us in the chest with his forearm. And I realized this guy was dangerous. And, and so in my head, I began to maneuver, and his locker was across the benches from mine. And for the next several days, I started to, to try to talk to him. And it was driven by fear. I wasn't a Christ follower. I, I just thought, if he becomes my friend, he won't be my enemy. Because I was terrified of him. Because when his forearm would hit you in the chest, your whole body felt like it would lift off the floor. All week long, I'm watching the news. And my anger level is like rising. And my acknowledgement of people who I consider enemies is escalating in my heart, and I'm I'm like fuming as I watch the news. And just just to be clear, I'm not a pacifist, and I have an expectation that our government. This isn't a political statement. This is just a heart statement. I have an expectation that our government will protect and preserve us. And so all week long, I'm wrestling with these ideas of, of enemies. I go to the st- staff. Uh, we, we have this little uh, chunk of our staff that talk about the sermons. And I go to the staff and I, I said, I think I'm going to change the message this week. Uh, I think I'm going to talk about words. And they talked to me and said, you were talking about enemies. And I thought, I don't want to talk about enemies this week. And they decided on my behalf I would stick with the topic that was selected several months ago. 
Because the, the first four words of the statement in the scripture that we're going to read is, if your enemies, if your enemies, and I, because as never before in my life, I feel like I have them. And, and so I, I have, with all the Proverbs, the responsibility to, to, to do one of three actions, or not the responsibility, but the opportunity. I, I, when the light of God's Word shines on my heart, I can do the evil thing in regard to my enemies, and, and I can seek to retaliate. I can seek vengeance. I can nurse in my heart an anger and a hostility and a brutalness. I can imagine things. I can continue to let myself destroy the Word of God in my heart and push it away. That's an evil response. The foolish response is to deflect the truth from you. Well, it's their fault if they would have never, and it's always, and it's all about, and, and I deflect the truth away from me. The wise response is, Father, when the light shines on my heart, when you bring the word of God into my heart, I can wrestle it down and surrender. I can pray, God, this isn't true in my life. Would you help me? Wisdom says that I want to respond in a way that God wants me to respond. And let the light of God's word touch me. If your enemies, the passage we're going to read in a moment starts out, if if your enemies, enemies are someone who are enemies towards you or my enemies towards them. They, they're, they're, they're political enemies. They are theological enemies. They are physical enemies. They're real or imagined. If your enemy... It, it's. Whatever we're saying is is not after they're done being an enemy. This is about an active enemy. Someone who is hateful. Someone who is hostile. Someone who wants ill for me or I want ill for them. It is, in some of our contexts, it's the ex-spouse. In some of our contexts, it's the ex-spouse's boyfriend or girlfriend. In some of our contexts, it's the guy who or the gal who consistently lies about you at work. In some of our contexts, it's the neighbor whose dog always comes over and does it in your yard. <laughs> and no matter how many times you talk to them, like it's welling up inside you. In deeper context, an enemy could be the person who touched your child. Or you. Enemies are real. If your enemy, have you thought about who those are for you? 
Like, could you name them? And as we go through this, when the light of God's word shines on your heart, what will you do? Because I'll tell you what, personally, like I've, I've been pacing my office all week on several fronts. And there's part of me that likes to nurture the hostility. I like to imagine things. I'll, I'll just be honest. I like, this is going to sound horrible, but maybe some of you will relate. I, I can imagine with some of the people. So I'm just driving down the road and they step out in front. Accidentally, completely. But when I back up and run over again, that's not the accident. Right? Because my, my mind and my heart can play evil imaginations in me toward my enemy. Uh, am I it? Am I the only one like that? Because if I am, you should pray for me. Let, let me... So, uh, this isn't an easy message. This will be challenging for us, especially those of you who have active enemies. Or enemies in a group that because of somebody in that group at one time or another did something to you that you've classified that whole group of people into enemy status without even knowing them. Here's the other other thing. In a natural sense, no one would blame you. No one would would say, well, they shouldn't be here. Like, in a natural sense, the woman who cheated with your husband, no one would blame you for having her as an enemy. The, the, The husband who calls and rakes you over the coals financially over and over, or the, no, no one would blame, no one would blame you for the, to have an enemy as the, the person who consistently lies before your boss. No one, no one would blame you. That's what's so seductive about having hostility in our hearts that we can nurture is everybody else kind of understands it. So in Proverbs, Solomon, who had many enemies, he, he lived peaceful through most of his life, but he had many enemies. People who, if there's a race of people who've been hated through the years, it's the Jewish nation. Right? So Solomon, who's the king of Israel, writes these words. If your enemy, think, think for a second, if your enemy, if your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat, not laced with arsenic. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say spit in the bread first. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. (laughs) I would rather him burn in hell. If your enemy is hungry, give him food to eat. 
If he is thirsty, give him water to drink. In doing this, you will keep burning coals on his... Ah, here's the part where we like, right? Let me start that over. This is the part where I, where I get to heap shovelfuls of burning coals on his head. Watch them pierce through his skull, down through his brain, fry his head. I don't think that's what God means. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head, and the Lord will reward you. This is the call of wisdom. Father, I I pray again for us. God, if we were to live like this, this would cost us. It could be dangerous for us. Father, please help us. Amen. So three, three, three points. Wisdom calls us to a radical response to evil, to hurt, to an enemy. Wisdom calls us to a radical response. It says if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. I, I honestly, I, I, I don't like this. But this isn't about me and my natural response to things. This is about God saying, look, I'm asking you in Proverbs 24, 17, 18, do not gloat when your enemy falls. When they stumble, do not let your heart rejoice or the Lord will see and disapprove and turn his wrath away from them. This is a response that is honestly radical. It's a response that doesn't come natural. It's a response that that God says, I want you to do this thing for them. It's a response when my enemy is vulnerable. right? I don't think it's when my enemy is driving their tank over my house. I don't think that's what he's talking about. He's talking about when your enemy's hungry, when your enemy's thirsty, when they're in this vulnerable state, when they're in this needy state, you get to step in in the name of Christ. You have this radical response that says, I will, I I will. Let me read the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 43 to 45. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. This is Jesus talking. He said, in the old way of thinking, it says, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemies. And pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Well, he must not have had enemies like us. Oh, wait. They actually pinned him to a cross. Romans chapter 12. I don't know if you know this. The Apostle Paul, before he was the Apostle Paul, was a hater, a religious hater. Like he he was thrilled in his understanding that God would have been okay with him to torture people, beat them, imprison them, and kill them. That's the Apostle Paul before he became the Apostle Paul. Well, he was just named Saul, right? For religious reasons, he thought it was fine to torture people. He thought it was fine to beat them. He thought it was fine to imprison them. He thought it was fine to kill them for religious reasons. The Apostle Paul wrote these words. And actually, he, he grabs, he reaches back into the Proverbs chapter 25 and pulls them into Romans chapter 12. So for those who just say, well, that's just Old Testament. The, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Oh. 
Okay, this is a radical response. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. So when my neighbor's dog comes and does the deal in my yard, and I scoop it up and I fling it over into their yard, I suppose, yeah, don't do... I don't know if that's evil, that's just dirty. How can I get around this? Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So God is saying this vengeance idea, this this I'll get back at you idea, isn't mine to exercise. It belongs to him. We'll come back to that. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome. Do not let the evil that's in their hearts sit in your heart. Do not be overcome. Do not be crushed. Do not be taken over. Do not be ruled by evil. But overcome evil with good. Love your enemies. Pray for them. Do not repay evil for evil. Do as as much as it depends on you. Live at peace with everybody. Do not take revenge. Love them. Pray for them. This is crazy thinking. Unless, of course, it comes from our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit. As far as it depends on you. In interpersonal relationships, again, I do believe our government is meant to protect us and to preserve. But my response, my individual, my interpersonal response, my heart has to have a radical response to my enemies. Jesus says the radical is to love and to pray. Paul says to do good, to not repay evil for evil. And I'm saying, God, I don't think I can do this. Honestly. And I get it for some of you. Like some of the things that happened to your kids, some of the things that have happened to you, some of the things that have taken place in your homes, outside of your homes, in hotel rooms. I get it. I get it. This isn't easy. Matter of fact, it's not natural at all. Point number two wisdom calls us to a radical reliance. To a radical reliance. To a radical reliance. It's an admission. I can't do this, but, but, I can't do this, but, but you can. You can change my heart. I want to depend on the absolute power of your Holy Spirit, the supernatural work. It says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 
18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Almost instead of being filled with hate. Almost instead of being filled with vengeance. Almost instead of being filled with, I can't stand him. I can't stand her. God has to do a work. Like if we're going to function like Jesus, God has to change here first and, and help us to live with a radical reliance on him that I can't function naturally. I can't do the natural. I can't drive my car over him and back up and hit him again. I can't fling it into their yard against their houses. <laughs> I can't lay in my bed at night and nurture a hostility no matter how much news I watch and be faithful to Christ. See, some of us function like, like, like if you had a brand new car and your family loads in and you get out and you push it around town and you try really hard to move things on your own. When the car is designed to have this fuel in it, this igniting, fire-producing, power-producing fuel in it that can move you and your family where it needs to be, that's like the Holy Spirit who can ignite a fire in you that will move your heart to the space it needs to be in. In the same way, it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. This is a reliance on God to change me. See, God has this goal for us, those of us who are followers of Christ. It says in Romans 8, all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purposes. And He called us and predestined us or called us in advance to be conformed to the image of His Son. I know, I know, I don't want that right now. I just want to be angry at Him or at her. I want to, I want to nurture the hostility. I don't want to be conformed to Jesus right now. I don't want to die to myself. But God has this personal goal for me. That'll be more like his son, Jesus. That I'll invite him to like Jesus talked about with the Pharisees who clean the outside of their life, but leave the inside of their life putrid and ugly. He described it like a cup. The Pharisees clean the outside of the cup, but the inside is filthy. That's the way some of our hearts are towards other people other groups of people, other types of people, individuals we can name, individuals we can't name, individuals who have history with us, individuals who have actually harmed us. And God is saying, let me me transform you through the power and presence of my Holy Spirit so that your instinctive response is supernatural, not natural. I can't do this on my own. I would rather in this context make God like me and actually be able to call him and say, okay, God, at the count of three, lightning on the back of her head. Go. One, two. That's not the program. 
Matter of fact, Anne Lamont says it this way. You can safely assume you've created God in your image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. (laughs) Because that's not his nature. But if that's the nature you've given him, God, God actually said this. For God so loved the world. So this radical reliance says that I can rely on God's strength and power to change me. It's also a radical reliance on someday God will. I can trust him for the someday. I want it tomorrow, but someday he will. The question for us who say we're followers of Jesus Christ is, can I trust God to bring his judgment later or to bring a change in the person? Can I trust God enough to say, I won't hate, I will pray. I won't hate, I will love. I won't hate, I will serve at a time when they're vulnerable because I'm trusting you in your timing, God. I'm trusting that you'll bring justice. I'm trusting that when I say that I'm going to trust you. In in Romans chapter 12, verse 19, it says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I, I don't want to take the place of you, Father, by seeking my own vengeance. I don't want to take the place of your vengeance, Father, and revenge or your wrath by by taking it into my own hands. I don't do well when I take God's role. A radical reliance says, I'm going to trust God to change me. I'm going to trust God for the timing on his justice. Number three. Let me do number one again. It's a radical response. When my enemy has a need and they're vulnerable, I'll meet it if given the opportunity. Number two, I'll have a radical reliance. I can't do this on my own. I need God to change me. Number four is that wisdom calls us to have a radical hope. In doing this, a radical hope. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. This is a crazy passage. right? Because it sounds like... <laughs> I'm going to be kind to you and God will make you burn from the inside out. Right? That's what it feels like. But but it's actually kind of two ideas rolled in one, maybe. And commentators, religious scholars, they they go back and forth on this. Here's the first idea. Back in the days of Christ, back in the days of Solomon, when, when someone had a home and the fire went out in their home, they couldn't start it. They didn't go, they didn't have a Zippo. Lighter, right? They, they, they didn't. They didn't have matches, so they would. They would go gather. They would, they would take a brazier, a, a, a steel or iron bowl, and they'd walk around their neighborhood and ask for fire. And people would bring a burning coal from their fireplace and put it on their head as they walked through the neighborhood as an act of kindness, as a demonstration of. We will help you. It says in Romans chapter 2 verse 4 that do you not know that the kindness of God leads to repentance? That maybe what God is saying here is that as you serve someone, when they're hungry, you feed them. When they're thirsty, you, you give them something to drink. It's like heaping burning coals in the neighborhood to say, we will care for you. And it turns their heart. It almost brings shame on them. It brings conviction on them. These people who I have been hostile towards are helping me. They go home at night. They get down on their knees, hopefully prayerfully, and they say, God, change me 
to be like them. It's like the kid in the locker room. And I befriended him. I started to talk to him, driven by fear. It, it wasn't because I was holy. It wasn't because I was belonged to Jesus. It was like I was scared spitless that if he hits me, I'm going to get hurt. But, but you don't have to be a Christ follower to follow this unless you don't have it. Like the dependence part, but you can be kind to an enemy. And, and just the truth is, it seems the wisdom thing is that enemies do then turn on an interpersonal relationship. And that's what this guy did. And so Jesus got, got a saying it. The other option for that is that, that when you keep burning coal, it's like saying, look, at, I am waiting and relying on the fact that someday God will bring justice. Coals in the Old Testament often present purified, represent judgment and purity or purification. So when you're acting kindly and serving them in a vulnerable moment. It's, it's, it's like saying, I'm trusting God that someday God's judgment, because part of God's justice is his judgment. See, God one day will make everything right. He will. The question is whether I'll trust him for that. Whether I'll take matters into my own hands. It says in the scriptures, it says in the, in the Bible, that one day every knee will bow. See, there's this overcoming power that, that talks about in Romans chapter 12, verse 11. It says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serving Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by good. Crush evil through kindness and goodness. But take part, it says in John 16. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. For these light and momentary troubles are achieving for you a weight of glory that far outweighs them all, that God is tracking it. But I don't trust you, Father, to take care of it in the end. I want her hurt now. I want him hurt now. I want them... Do not be overcome by evil. I'm not saying this is easy, but it is a trust in God. It is a reliance on His Holy Spirit. God, change me. I'm not a pacifist. I believe the government should protect and preserve, but as far as it is with me and another person, I want to be more like Jesus. Because it says one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. That one day God will bring about the justice. One day God will bring about the judgment and the wrath. Let me read from the book of Revelation for a moment. Chapter 20. Then I saw a great great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead. 
that were in it. And death and Hades gave up their dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. The death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Someday, one day, God will bring justice. People will turn to him. Or be sent away from him for eternity. Justice and vengeance is not mine. It belongs to God. But the passage continues. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is the radical hope of Christ followers that someday all of the wrongs will be made right. All of the horrible will be made holy. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven. From God, prepares a beautiful bride, dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. For the old order of things will have passed away. He was seated on the throne, said, I'm making everything new. Write this down, because this is trustworthy and true. A Christ follower who has an enemy is called to a radical response, is called to a radical reliance, and is called to trust in a radical hope. We're going to do a closing song. And I encourage you, with the names of the people that you carry in your heart, that you are enemies with, either from you towards them or them towards you, let this be an anthem. Let this be an anthem for them and for your heart toward them. Let's ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit and to help us be more like Jesus than the people we hate.